It's been a long time since my social life has been normal. I mean, it is easy to become a bit of a hermit with all the restrictions, but if you can get out and about, there are opportunities to have a friendly chat. And I am making a number of new friends, and sometimes these friends are pretty helpful too. It's just a matter of questions as I navigate around. Now, what am I talking about? Well, navigating around websites, of course, and chatbots. But can they do more? Can they understand me better and get ahead of my questions? Seriously, the evolution of natural language processing and the exploding opportunity for positive customer interactions at scale means that chatbots are here to stay. And the efforts of some really innovative companies have shown that chatbots can really provide the type of help that many people need. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Orkin, the head of the AI lab at Drift. Drift delivers solutions for go-to-market teams that are focused on personalized customer experiences in real time. And in my conversation with Jeff, you'll see how. I'd like to also add that Drift partnered with the Marketing AI Institute to publish the 2021 State of Marketing AI Report. We're going to have a podcast on that to follow shortly. I think I see a theme. I'm John Pryor, and I don't need a chatbot to be my friend yet. And welcome to Georgian's Impact Podcast. Tell me just a bit about your gaming background. And I'm really curious because I did some reading about it at what you learned in terms of the restaurant game that you produced. Tell me about that. Oh, right, right. My PhD project was a uh, research project was the restaurant game where we paired people online anonymously in a, a first person restaurant simulation. We had data from all of these players. And so we could learn how to react, not just in the expected situations, but when people break the rules. And in terms of gathering data, it's already been contextualized. You have the context, you're mm -hmm. in a restaurant. Right. And if you have your bell curve, you know, most of the data in the middle are people ordering and commenting on their food. And yet at the same time, you also manage to find some funky edge cases. And it's important to train your models around edge cases. As I listen to this, this is about gathering data as opposed to, say, training the person, training a, a weight bot, for example. You, you, unlike being Eliza, where all you care about is what can Eliza say, this is what you're hearing. This is, the ga this is really gathering. You're right. Gathering data was step one. Once I had that data, the rest of my PhD was exploring how do you learn from that data. So I was trying to learn models unsupervised of um, mm -hmm. language and behavior and I could get things that if you watched for a few seconds, the characters seemed to be doing the right thing. But if you watched for a longer period of time, you would realize the characters were totally confused, repeating themselves, saying things out of context. And so I started to think about how could we create tools that would let us just hire random people on the internet to do a little work explaining what was happening in conversation transcripts, not just conversation, they were mixes of action and, and words, and um, use that to build a model that could power ultimately a waitress bot who you could interact with either. It was a 3D environment, but you could speak to her with either type text or a microphone. So these crowdsource people are basically labeling the data. Right. Did you, did you give them any yeah. context for it or was it I know that it's, it's supervised learning, so to speak, but it was unsupervised labeling where they did they have any context or you told them to just have at it? 
they didn't have a lot of context. They had never seen the game, but they could see an entire transcript. Mm-hmm. So they, they could tell basically what was happening. The transcripts were pretty easily readable, describing the actions the characters took and, and all of the text of what they said to each other. And so we developed tools that would let us hire people anywhere in the world to break up these conversations into what we call events, uh, which are okay. sequences of utterances that could overlap in time. And they could be a mix of utterances and actions. All of this eventually led to my startup, Giant Otter. Giant Otter was um, commercializing this, this same approach. And um, we rewrote the technology three times before arriving at an implementation that was production ready. And then we started exploring a pretty wide variety of applications for it, ranging from social emotional learning to applications for businesses to assess job candidates. And then we, we started getting some requests to use it for training people for sales and support. And by this time, Alexa had been introduced and mm-hmm. everyone was interested in voice we added voice and we started creating these applications where you could practice a sales call. Like if you were a new salesperson, you could practice overcoming objections with a virtual customer that you're trying to sell to. The key, as I listen to this, so you amass a corpus of data, whether it's through a restaurant game or under you, and then you, I really like it. Labeling is a generic term. You, you extract events and actions that can then get mapped. So you're really, you're drilling down further and further into interactions, which really is a perfect setup because the reason why I really wanted to chat with you is to, it's worth to, to talk about chatbots. Right. So w- what's interesting is kind of, I think about the chatbots I don't like on my banking <laughs> app or whatever. And what they right. really are, are their, their attempt to be a, crappy q a what do you want and here's yeah. an answer and they don't do yep. a good job of parsing the question and we're sort of stuck already you brought forward and i think it, it, it i see now it's historically tied even to this restaurant game that this is a long-running i'll use the word transaction this is a long-running conversation so you're building events and action so talk to me about the goods and bads of chatbots and feel free to take a swipe at my bank or whatever, but I'd love to hear what you see makes it effective and ineffective. Yeah, that's a good question. So you're right. The work we were doing at Giant Otter that's now transitioned into Drift AI is really focused on understanding entire conversations and and using that context to understand what someone says, even if what they say might be vague or uh, grammatically incorrect, we can make sense of it if we know when they said it in a conversation. And that's because we're always recognizing events. Everything someone says either starts or continues an event. This is different than the other bots on the market. The bots out there right now kind of fall into two buckets. Either there's decision trees where you just by hand, make a tree of questions and answers that that branch. And these tend to be very brittle. Users don't want to stick to your tree. And as soon as they try to diverge, the bot kind of falls apart. And then there's the kind of 
big tech companies all have their intent-based bots like Siri, Alexa, Dialogflow. These are all intent-based architectures where they do use machine learning to classify your input, but they're very passive. They, they wait for you to ask a question and then they say, oh, you're, you're trying to order a pizza. Okay. And then that activates a skill and then you're locked in that skill and the skill either at that point walks through a tree or it has a set of slots that need to be filled. Like what size is your pizza? What sure. are the toppings? In that case, it's, it's a very much a short-term transaction. Once yeah, you ordered your pizza, yeah. you're, they're done with you. The skill is over. You get right. the, that's back to zero. The decision tree, in theory, could work better. It just it just doesn't. Yeah, right? you'll never have enough branches in your tree to cover what real human conversation looks like. So you look at this very differently. So I think it's a good opportunity. That, that, that I like the way you describe kind of what works and doesn't work with chatbots. So let's talk a little bit about Drift now. I want to later get into the piece parts of sales versus marketing, but I really want to kind of get into how'd you get started. I know how the restaurant game got started. Here you are now, you've got sales automation, marketing automation solutions. Let's get into data sources. How did, how did all that begin? That was one of the uh, great things about coming to Drift is that they've got this gold mine of chat data. Drift's original product is a, um, a chatbot for booking meetings with sales reps. It's a bot that qualifies leads and um, either connects you in real time to a rep or lets you book a meeting on a calendar. And they've been doing this for maybe five years and have amassed a data set of like 3 billion of these sales conversations. They could be sales or marketing focused conversations and some support as well, but sales and marketing is really the, the focus. Prior to Drift uh, at Giant Otter, we were this company building data-driven bots, which was kind of a, a, a new twist on bots, but we were a tiny company at our biggest, we were seven people. Mm-hmm. And so it was a real challenge to convince any you know, we were going after big enterprise companies, financial companies and things, and or, or even uh, healthcare companies and saying, okay, like we'd, we'd talk to them about our new approach and then they'd be like, yeah, this sounds really different. We showed them a demo, they'd be impressed and we'd say, all right, let's get started. Just send over your data. And they'd say, oh, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> so at Drift, it's like, it was kind of this perfect marriage where like we had this interesting technology that benefits from data and they just have so much data. And, and the way natural language processing has progressed in recent years, that data is even more valuable because the approaches people are taking are based on these new models called transformer models. They're uh, neural networks that are uh, language models that have been open sourced by big tech companies like Google or organizations like OpenAI. And so you can take one of these models that's been trained on billions of documents and then fine-tune it on your own data to make it uniquely good at understanding, in our case, sales and marketing conversations. So you show up, your eyes are wide open because this is exciting. So now you've gone to start bringing this logic of events and actions and annotations to all this data. So this is 
probably the step one for you is to kind of now take this data, convert it into this different mindset. And I, I never heard the term, but I really like the term data-driven bot. So that's what you've began to work on the data so you could create a data-driven bot. Is that right? Yeah. And actually at Giant Otter, we were, we, we were trying to like coin the term bottom-up bots. It's, you know, instead of starting with a whiteboard and thinking top down, like what should my bot talk about? You just start with the real transcripts of how do real people converse right. and start explaining what's happening there and build a model out of that. So originally we brought our same tool set to Drift. Actually, to close the deal with Drift, the final piece of the uh, decision the company was making about doing the acquisition was the tech due diligence where the CTO said, uh, all right, you guys build bots from data. So why don't you come here? We'll give you our data and, and show us what kind of bot you can make in a week. Uh-hoo. And we had never made a bot quite that fast, but with a bunch of late nights, we got there Monday and, and by Thursday night, we had a bot that was working pretty well trained from their data. And so that became the demo for a while. Eventually that became like a real product that sure. first was launched on Drift's site and then um, we got an early first customer and learned how to do it in a more repeatable, sure. uh, streamlined way. When we got to Drift and we built a bot from their chat data, we did some analysis and we just took initially just 100 chat conversations and did our data annotation to, to find the events in those conversations. And you could think of the events as being kind of the topics that people are hitting in these conversations. And what was interesting is that we graphed how each conversation flowed through these topics. And we found that in 100 conversations, there were 88 unique paths through topics because every conversation between a couple of people approaches maybe the same topics, but in a totally different order, or they start a topic and then they diverge to something else and return to it. And when you see, we often show people visually a graph of this and it's a mess and it just gets across how complicated human conversation is and why there's just no way you can just build a a little tree that's going to cover the way people are really going to converse. I love it. So let's talk about learning then. You've got all this data, you've got this kind of this mindset, this approach to, to, to looking at the data. What does the term then human in the loop mean to you in this case? So we use this human in the loop process where we're taking real data, like organic data, and we get humans to explain what's happening. Like, is this chunk a question answer pair? Is this part of the qualification process, part of the flow? And kind of stitch this together. But humans benefit us in another way as well. Just having a human look at the data that's making it into an AI system. You see, there have been some horror stories over the years, like recently some from experiments with the GPT-3 model, where a model trained on a lot of conversations from Reddit learns how to converse and, and could say some pretty surprising and sometimes hurtful things. And years before that, Microsoft... Hey, uh, yeah, Tay, exactly. Tay. Tay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boldly put out this bot that uh, learned from from the internet, and you know you can you can imagine how that goes. So that's something important to us at at Drift is is there's a human in the loop in in part for that purpose. 
everything that your bot says has been vetted by a human. It's never going to say something that it just learned and, and might have gotten out of context or, or should not have learned. That is a critical selling point for that's, that we will not be K. How did you begin to evolve how you defined events and actions and, and, and begin to really structure what the piece parts are of a, of a conversation? What happened at Drift is that the tool set has really evolved. In fact, a, a team at Drift has totally rewritten the original Giant Otter tools, replaced them with something called Bot University, which is it's kind of a play on words because it's a tool that teaches the bots. You know, the bots go to school to learn how to converse. Bot University is really nice in that it restructures the tasks around what we're trying to do rather than focusing so much on looking at just looking at the data itself. Mm -hmm. So at, at Drift, when you become a Drift AI customer, you're paired with a human employee at Drift called an AI conversation designer who's an expert at using Bot University to build bots. And their work is kind of bucketed into maybe four buckets. On the one hand, they're adding questions and answers. So they're reviewing real human transcripts and they're finding out what people are asking frequently and they're grabbing these fragments and bringing them into BotU to create question and answer pairs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we have a, a tool called the paraphrasing tool. Really, it focuses on the question. It digs into even more data because there's only so much data a human can review. But then the machine can take the cue from the human, dive into much more data and say, here are you know, 65 other ways we think might be the same way to say what you just said. And then a human reviews that to decide which to import. This um, human is a drift employee. This is not the customer. This is a drift employee that's helping to build This is a drift bot. employee. This is not a coder. This is a no-code right. world you've built for these, for these people, right? Yeah, I mean, the vision for Giant Otter that's been like more fully realized at Drift is to have a platform that allows non-experts to build complex bots, bots that are more complex than what you typically see on platforms like Alexa. So yeah, these conversation designers, they have a wide variety of backgrounds. Sometimes they've been building bots on other platforms, but often they haven't. Sometimes they're writers or people from theater or video gaming backgrounds or things like customer support, things where they're very customer focused. And yeah, we teach them to use this tool set to do things like organizing question and answer pairs, but also setting up different conversation flows for lead qualification, where there's often different criteria and protocols for qualifying a lead for each company that's a customer of Drifts. Sure. So that they can figure that. And what's interesting about our system is that we can combine these qualification flows with the question and answer to seamlessly bounce back and forth so that, you know, when we were talking about intent-based bots, they're very reactive. They wait for you to ask a question, they answer it, they might have a follow-up and then they're done. Like, like you were saying, they're, kind of a, a very short experience. Our bot is both proactive and reactive. So it's asking the user questions to try to qualify them and keep them engaged. 
But at any point, the user can say, you know, I'm not really interested in answering your question. I've got my own questions. And they can interrupt oh, nice. and ask their own questions. The bot can answer that. And then depending on where that went, they may diverge into a totally new flow or they might return to the qualification flow. But the idea is to put the buyer in the driver's seat and really let the buyer or the prospect take the lead in the conversation the way, you know, hopefully a real salesperson does. So you do use the term for Drift AI, conversational marketing solutions and conversational sales solutions. Uh -huh. you know, from my perspective, it's, it's really just where they are on the funnel. Are they a prospect that's just kicking the tires? Are there someone that's come back multiple times to look sure. at your website versus maybe someone that's already using their product? How do you differentiate marketing versus sales? And how do you differentiate who the person in the audience might be? I don't know if there's a big difference. Like when you first visit the website, conversational marketing is, is trying to learn about who the website visitor is, but then you get into conversational sales. Once you've asked enough questions to realize they're a qualified lead and you want to connect them with the right person to talk to, to move them to the next stage. The way I think about it is like marketing is where you're, you're thinking about across all of the people coming to our website, what are people asking a lot? And then sales is where you're like, all right, this specific person seems qualified. How can we move them along so that they have a good experience and can quickly make the purchase they're trying to make? So they're just moving along the funnel. So I'd like to talk just a bit about the data. There's part of the Drift Solution is showing a snapshot analytics about conversation. So what do you show? Right now, we, we have a part of the product called conversation analysis that lets you do a search to see how often have certain words been coming up over time. You can get back a, a list of the conversations that mention that word. What's, I think, more exciting is we're starting to adapt the powerful AI technology from the bot to be able to understand human-human conversations. So the bot often connects you to a human sales rep to continue chatting. Sometimes this continues over the phone. We're digging into that data and showing that our models with using the events and the classifier can understand what people are saying to each other. And that leads to being able to power semantic search where, you know, maybe you want to find every conversation where people were talking about pricing, but off the top of your head, you don't know every word someone might have used to refer to pricing, but using semantic search, using the AI that can understand how different words relate to each other, we can find conversations that used other wordings like cost or subscription or enterprise plan or whatever, and uh, give kind of more satisfying results to uh, find what you were really looking for when you were looking for the word price. Interesting. So help me understand a little bit of what you consider my measures of success. There could be one measure that says, I talked to the bot for one nanosecond and I was passed it over to a real sales rep or whatever the chat version of dwell time might be that I actually had a productive dialogue. You shared lots of information with the customer. What are the different types of measures that exist and what matters? It depends a little bit on, on the customer, actually. For some customers, it's purely like the amount of pipeline generated, like how many leads did you generate? For others, 
it's more about being more selective with who they talk to. You know, any company only has so many salespeople. And if you can make the conversations they have higher quality because they're talking to the right people that are, you know, really their ideal customer profile, that's valuable. The other thing we offer with our bot is deflection. Salespeople can waste a lot of time talking to people who actually just have a support question or just want a free demo or, or whatever. And um, our bots can carry on enough of a conversation to get to a point where they could understand what is your, your intention on this site. And um, based on that, they might point you toward a video or, a, or some resource on the web rather than connecting you to a person. In some cases, to do that even better, we can reach out to um, external APIs. One of our customers is a shipping company, and they were having a problem where their salespeople were spending all their time answering questions about like, how much is it going to cost me to send this box from Boston to San Francisco? And all of that information is available on their website, but people don't take the time to look for it. Right, of course. So we um, built an integration with their shipping price API so that the bot could answer those questions Perfect. rather than the people. The people that actually get connected are the people that are like, we want to sign a contract for business shipping where we're going to ship this much stuff every month. So I was thinking about you said you came to Drift and you had this treasure trove of data that was there for you, which made it easier. If someone's thinking about implementing a chat box, and let's just say all they had was a series of emails to the help information, you know, help me with this, help me with that. And I was able to feed, I don't know, a thousand different emails of 10 years of history of support questions. And it's not really support, but you know, Q&As. Is that a similar acceptable corpus of data that I could send to Drift that they could build some bots around emails? Yeah, we can start with whatever data a customer has. There's kind of a range of possibilities, and we're, we're happy to consume any natural language data, including transcribing phone calls or Zoom calls. It's certainly easiest when someone's already a Drift customer, and we just take their whole backlog of- Old chat, of Drift. old bots. Yeah. yeah. But we can take, you know, we've taken data from other chat companies- that can be exported. We have done some things with some email. So really, as long as it's people talking to people about the right topics, it can work. Do you think we'll ever see a website that has no more words on it and just has a bot on it saying, hi, can I help you? What do you think? (laughs) I think the answer is no, because the website gives so much context for why you're there. And our bots leverage that depending on what web page you start a conversation with the bot, we customize what the conversation looks like. Were you on the pricing page or were you on a a product feature page or a page for an event that's coming up? You know, we, we started when we're talking about the restaurant game being context. That's context that that's, I love it. I think that's right. I'm not sure I'd be happy going to a website when I know what I want to do and I know where to go get it to have somebody ask me the question, but 
having that bot available to me obviously can also make my life as an end user that much better. So just to wrap right. it up, a question then, this is so cool because you know, the, the people that are working building these bots, you talked about you know, theater people and everything. So talk to me about how you see chat bots affecting people's career choices. Obviously people want careers in tech. You don't need to necessarily have a tech degree to have a career in tech anymore. So what's right. your view of, uh, of makeup of tech teams and bot teams and everything? I'd love to get your vision of kind of careers for people. Yeah, I mean, I think the best teams are multidisciplinary, you know, not just multidisciplinary, but also people with cultural differences as well. I think it's great when you can make the process of building a bot less technical because it's it's another interactive medium that, you know, we want more people to be able to succeed in. And then, you know, the direction things are going in the world COVID totally shook everyone's world up in ways that are not going to return to the old, the way they were before. For one example, Drift announced that they've gone digital first, meaning we all work from home. We, we still have offices that they call conversation spaces where we can meet for conferences and, and whatnot, or get a team together to work through something. But for the most part, we're all working from home. So bot building is yet another career that you can have from home, you know, not just, you don't have to be a, someone answering phones for a company or writing code. You can, uh, you can do it from home. So Jeff, thank you for that. It was a fantastic discussion. Good luck. I can't wait to see the next conversation I'll have with a drift bot. <laughs> thank you. This was a, a great conversation. 